Um, I want you to grab your Bible and swing over to John chapter 12. If you don't have it, you should have it up on the screen here. John chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 37 and we're going to read down through verse 40. This is what I, I usually don't title messages just because I don't. Um, but for the sake of where we're going today, I want you to write this down because I want you to remember this. This is going to be a significant message as it relates to your growth and what God is doing in your life. Write this down. We're going to title this one, The Right Way to Be Wrong. The Right Way to Be Wrong. And there's a wrong way to be wrong, and then there's a right way to be wrong. And so we're going to talk about that here tonight. And I want you to remember a lot of this stuff. Amen. Can you just say this with me? God is trying to grow me up. He is attempting. He's trying. He's moving people into your life. He's moving people out of your life. He's opening up doors and closing doors. Some people don't realize that favor also comes with closed doors. That when God is blessing you, he stops you from going to a place that you desire to go to that he has no plans for you to be there come on somebody the favor of god isn't always yes a lot of times it's no and sometimes god is blocking you from going to things that you want to go to in your own appetite that has nothing to do with the will of god for your life too many of us have only experienced favor from a temporary position and the favor of the Lord that he's trying to give you comes from eternity. It's something that he wants to continually, perpetually operate in your life. Real favor is perpetual. And we experience favor at the level that we walk in obedience. It's quiet. Why do we not have favor on our life? It's not because you have so many people hating on you. I promise you. In your head, I know you think the whole world is hating on you, but I promise you, if the truth be told, not as many people are thinking about you as you think they are. You are actually not the topic of everybody's conversation. Yes, there's probably some people that look at you and say, man, they have certain feelings about you and they have certain things in their heart about you that they need to reconcile before the spirit. But I promise you, the reason why you are not where you want to be isn't because somebody's hating on you. Nobody has the power to keep you from what God has called you to do if obedience is a part of your journey. Man. Y'all with me tonight? If obedience is a part of the journey, nobody has the power. That's why I love the scripture, if God. Question, if God be before us. Come on, somebody. If God be before me, who can be against me? It's a good question. The answer is you. You're the only one that can stop what God is trying to do in your life. You're the only one that can stop what God is trying to do in your life. And some of us exhaust ourselves in prayer, but we never walk out obedience after praying. A lot of us are professional word makers. We love our words. We love to pray. And we think it makes us spiritual. Spirituality comes into play once obedience is walked out. 
praying is the dialogue, obedience is the will. And I'm teaching here tonight. So we got to get into this right now. I want you to say this the right way to be wrong. I'm going to take these off for a sec because it hurt my eyes. Anybody new to glasses, they're killing me. Um, so watch this here. We're going to get into this. I want you to go to John. We're going to start in verse 12. But before we get there, I just want to talk about a few things. You know, as we're growing in Christ, and I'm going to try to teach tonight. Um, you know, we'll get passionate as the Spirit leads. But I really want you to leave this place tonight considering and reconsidering, reevaluating some of the things that God is doing and saying and speaking into your life. Many of us never ever consider the fact that we are wrong. If you're the teacher in every dialogue that you're in, something is severely wrong with how you see yourself. If at every table that you eat at, if you're the one that is always depositing and you view yourself as the teacher or you view your conversations as something everybody else needs to learn, something's wrong with the way you see yourself. As a matter of fact, if you're the teacher all the time, you have stopped growing. If you are the one teaching all the time, you have stopped growing. If you're the biggest influence in every room you're in, you have stopped growing. Come on, somebody. If you're the most successful in every room that you go in, you have stopped growing. Amen, somebody. If, 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 and, and that's just the, the way it is. We have to come to a place where we consider the fact that some of the things that we are thinking about ourselves are just flat out wrong. And it is, it is amazing to me how many of us never stop to reconsider what we think. As a matter of fact, some of the reasons why our relationships, you know, uh, sometimes people get a little tight when you start talking about relationships and, and, and all the depth that comes out of that conversation. But the reality is, is that you can really get to know somebody by looking or examining at least five relationships that they have. Everybody's not wrong. I will. Everybody's not wrong. If everybody is saying or seeing the same thing about you, you know, I'm telling you right now, it's one of the hard truths that I've had to learn in my life. That's, and, and listen, there was, as I'm growing, not just spiritually, but as a man, just growing in my fatherhood and, and being a husband and being a dad and being a, you know, a businessman and being a, a creative and all the things that I'm doing outside of just pastoring, as I'm growing as a man, I'm starting to realize that I really don't know as much as I thought I knew. I'm getting more comfortable at this stage in my life with saying, I don't know. I really don't know. And it's okay for me to live in mysteries as it relates to certain things. Because it opens up every mystery that you steward correctly. What it does is opens up a possibility for God to bring somebody into your life that has something you don't. Whew. But if you are, by default, always the person that says you have all the answers, even when you don't, you are stopping the possibility of God sending a true teacher to you. 
We're going to grow up here. Amen, somebody. My job here is I'm being pastoral right here now. You know I love you. I'm trying to get us to understand the value and the possibility of being wrong and why it is so imperative to understand that being wrong is a part of growth. What you do with wrong determines where you go. Man, come on, Pastor. What you do with being wrong determines where you go. It is so important. So we're going to get into this a little bit deeper here tonight. But I want to talk about, you know, there's this, I wrote this down if you're taking notes. There's an old saying that says, the fool and dead men have one thing in common. That's that they never change. A fool and a dead person having one thing in common, and that is that they both never change. I want you to write that down. We all have family members, and, I, and I, I'm thinking of them right now in my head. I would ne- never say it out loud, especially being recorded. Um, but we all have those family members, y'all. Anybody, well, let me just, we'll take a toll that they are going to say, listen, this is the way I am, and it ain't going to change. What they're really saying is this is this is how I was wounded and I don't want healing. That's what they're really saying. They spoke it in a different in a different you know they embodied it with something different hoping that it would sound appealing to the ears but really all they're doing is revealing a heart that is now wounded in concrete. What they're saying is, I don't want you to come to me with a conversation that is going to cause me to confront something that I've already buried years ago. In other words, I'm going to remain bitter, I'm going to remain stuck, I'm going to remain unfriendly, I'm going to remain unloving, I'm not opening up this heart again because the last time I did, I was vulnerable, I got hurt. That's what they're really saying, and how dare you try to change that. This is my defense. This is my protection. These are the walls that I have constructed over years so that I won't let people get in because the last time they got in, I got hurt. That's really what they're saying, but they don't see it like that. And this is the very reason why people do not become what God has called them to be. Why? Because they do not want to make changes in the necessary places of their heart in order to become what he's called them to be. It's okay tonight. You know, this is, this is another statement. I, I don't typically agree with Charles Darwin, as we know his scientific approach to humanity. But he did say something because one of the things that I've done in my life, and, and this, is, this is major as an apologetic, um, as a pastor and as a theologian, one of the things that's imperative, and I tell this to all leaders, I just had a meeting uh, Monday with a pastor. Um, this is so imperative to understand that when you are a true apologetic, you are not just diving into the things that justify what you're trying to teach. You also read the other side of the story. In other words, it is going to be very useful for you as an apologetic, and what that means simply in layman's terms is somebody who argues your stance or your position. As a Christian apologetic, when somebody comes to me and they say something that is contrary to the word of God, what I do typically is I go and study the same resources that they're using to try to belittle the stance that I would take having experienced Christ. 
Studying both sides of the coin is going to yield a much better understanding than only studying one side. Right? So this is really important. Charles Darwin said this. He said, it's not the strongest species that survives, nor the most intelligent, but rather the most adaptive to change. And I thought it was worth repeating. Why? Because it is imperative to understand what causes us to survive everything that we're going through is those who are adaptive to change. Now, some of you may or may not know this, that when you look at a giraffe, you ever been to a zoo, everybody's seen a giraffe? What amazes most people is the neck. But if you go back into history and you study the giraffe, they was actually created with a short neck. Why did the neck get longer? Because as they began to feed and eat up all the resources, the only food that was there was farther up in the trees. And as they begin to stretch, it began to grow them. Sometimes when God is growing you, he'll put your resources above your reach. And he'll have you stretch. And as you're stretching to survive, you're becoming what God has called you to be. be. Sometimes the only way to stretch you is put your answers and your resources out of reach. It's the only way to get you at the length God has called you to be. If everything that you're praying for is within reach, you're not operating in faith. Well, I'm teaching tonight. If everything that you're praying for and asking God for is within reach, if your dreams are, are if it's possible for you, to you to fulfill those dreams within your own resources, it may not be God. I've never known God to give me a dream that I could do with my own potential. I mean, God's, this is the father for us, y'all. Noah, go build an ark. Why? It's going to rain. It ain't ever rained. What do you mean it's going to rain? Go build an ark. Get the resources. Do what I told you to do, even though you see no symptoms of what I told you was coming. It's usually how God operates. It's when he tells you a thing, he establishes in, the, in faith first, and then we walk it out. So we are at a point to where God is trying to grow us up. I want to get to this, this John here for a second because I think that this is a, so much stuff here. John 12, we're going to read uh, Pastor Tim, verse 37 through 40. When you're ready, go ahead. Pastor Candace, whoever. Who, who, I can't see nobody, the lights. So. <laughs> but though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, watch that. Y'all catch that? You know, I'm, I'm good for interrupting readers. That's what we do. God begins to speak, you just have to go with it. Look at what he just prophesied. Y'all catch that part about right there? Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who is the arm of the Lord? Yes. And who is Jesus? The word. You need God to move. We're always praying for God's hand to do something in our life, which is connected to the arm. But what is the arm? It's the word. So when he's given you and he's speaking the word in your life, you need to see that as the arm of the Lord moving. 
Why don't you see anything happening? Because you're doing nothing with the word. I'm trying. I, this, I'm digging tonight. When you're not doing anything with the word, you're not going to see the arm. That's why I said everything that God is doing in your life is going to come through obedience. It doesn't matter how good I'm teaching or preaching. I could be giving you thus saith God every week if you ain't doing nothing with it. Come on. This is why the New Testament doesn't say we're good with he's a false prophet. The Bible never tells you to judge the person. It tells you to judge the word. The New Testament, it talks about examining the word as false. I have actually gotten some specific direction from God through relationships I knew wasn't serving God right. Why? Because <laughs> God can use whoever he wants. If there's an available heart, he'll use a mouth. Some people are so good at just talking, they never shut up. God said, oh, I'll fill that with something for a moment. Bam. And it, and it seed right there in the heart. Because your heart is right, you should be able to recognize when it's God and when it's some, them just kind of just yapping. Amen, somebody. Because our heart recognizes truth. It doesn't matter who it's coming from. I'm trying. So watch this here. This, this, there's so much here, Pastor Candace. Let's just continue right there for a second. For this reason, they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and he hardened their heart so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted. Okay, now we're going to get this deeper here in just a second, but I want to go back just for one second because I want to get this point. Because here's, when we're talking about the right way, the right way to be wrong, there's so much in this that... Having pastored for as long as I've pastored now, over 20 years, the privilege of it is that you get to see people and experience things that people do. And I know that every church, every people, every person is different. But, man, I'm telling you right now, (laughs) if you've done it for, for as long as I have, you've seen about everything and heard about everything. That could possibly happen. And one thing, you know, I'll never forget this, and I'll just use some backstory for a second. But I did worship for a lot of years, and I was a part of worship teams. And this isn't a jab at anybody, so let's just, Father, right now, I rebuke all offense and a lack of perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just deal with that right now. This ain't talking about anybody here. Um, but one of the things that always used to happen on the worship team, everybody wants to join the worship team. And the first thing that I would do, what do you think it is? Think I was going to fast and pray about it? Or am I going to ask him to sing? I'm going to find out real quick if this is passion or purpose. Why? Because I've noticed that many people put their passions in front of their purpose. How do you know? Because if you can't sing, I'm not about to go on hunger strikes fasting to find out what God wants to do when he just flat out has not given you that gift. And I don't have time to tell the sound man to turn mic three down every week. 
I mean, and we also don't have time to teach parts 1,500 times. It's not that you're a bad person. It's not that you are not extremely valuable to us. It's just that you are not paying attention to the purpose that you're called to. You are being driven by your passion. I think people like the praise team because it's in front. And it sure does look cool when the church is going crazy and you up there and you apart, right? But somebody who loves God enjoys worship just as much out here. God's the one that said lift up a joyful noise. I did not say that. I don't want to hear your joyful noise on the mic. I want to hear your gift and your purpose on the mic. Out here, your joyful noise is good. Because it's not distracting. Because anytime we put passion before purpose, it's distracting to others. Why? Because you're operating out of your gift. If you don't believe me, if you ever need surgery, go to somebody who is not credentialed to do surgeries and see how that works out. Somebody who's not gifted or educated to do it. See how that works out. You won't put your body on the line, but you'll put the kingdom on the line. We all up here sounding the mess. Why? Because you're not called to it. It's that now. You may be the person that is gifted and you have some talent there. So what we do is we develop it. And we see how we can work this in. Because not everybody has to be great Celine Dion Whitney Houston's up here. We can flow. I mean, I believe choirs was created for this, y'all. Like, it allows people to be a part, but it's not necessarily your voice is driving everything. You're in a collective group, right? You can hold a tune, but you're not hitting a solo, right? Now, if that offends you, it's possible that this word was designed for where you're at. Because we are putting passion over purpose. Now, here's the kicker. This is why I brought all this up. Is this okay? Y'all still love me? Why am I saying this? Number one, I'll get to the end goal. I'm saying this because I've got to make some adjustments. Because what God is doing right now at VC, it's imperative that the right people are in the right place. It has nothing to do with your personalities. It has nothing to do with that. It's about posturing people because it's foundational. Right? To take us to the next level. I need you where you're called to be so we can excel. I don't need you where you're not called to be. Right? It's pretty good. If you're not really the type of person that has patience, I'm probably not going to put you at a greeter at the back. If you don't do good with kids, children's ministry might not be where I'm putting you. I don't need no lawsuits. You know? Identifying your purpose is critical to how God uses you. Not identifying your passions. Because I've learned, and how many, how many watch The Voice in America, and I don't know this stuff, right? We get a kick out of it, right? You know what I've learned? Simon, what's his last name? He was a genius with the X Factor. 
The man has made millions off of people who are passionate, but not purposeful. And we all get to sit and eat our popcorn and watch it and be entertained. We're not watching it because they can see. We're watching it because they can't. It's like, what in the world? And they get to embarrass themselves. And we're sitting there like, you know, eating. Why? Because nobody in their life was allowed to position them. This is what I'm really getting at tonight. In order to be effective, we have to be adjustable. So many people are not growing in their spiritual growth because you have nobody in your life that can speak to you and adjust you. Why? Because you know it all. Never wrong. Always got it figured out. Always got three steps ahead of everybody else. And you are literally killing your growth. Some of y'all, God has already sent the teacher in your life. You don't recognize him because you are still thinking you're the teacher. When I sit down with Pastor Ken, I want to thank y'all for being a blessing. I don't sit down and talk with this man. He was so graceful last week to say the stuff he said. And we do have conversations. But my conversation is always in submission to whatever he's wanting to say. Why? He's a father in the faith. That's why I don't approach him the same way that my conversation is not going to be the same that it would be with, with somebody here. Because when I'm sitting with him and I'm eating breakfast or we're talking... I only, I, whatever we say is, is directed by him, his momentum. And I, and I speak to that. It's not that I'm tight around him or nothing like that because it's, that's not what love is. But at the same time, I give him the respect that's needed in order for him to make adjustments in something he sees. Because part of his job is not just to be like this cool type father figure. Part of his job is to bring rebuke and correction to me. And I have to submit myself to that in order for that to function properly. Amen, somebody. This okay? This is a, this is a big deal here. You know, it's funny to me that... Um, put this down here if you're taking notes. I want you to remember this. Our posture should always remain adjustable. Just write that down. I know it's simple, but I want you to be meditating on that. My posture should always remain adjustable. And I want you to ask yourself, are you adjustable? Now, some of you, rightfully so, are a little timid when it comes to those type of things. Why? Because you've been under the abuse of leadership that is overly corrective. Rules without relationship always breed rebellion. Rules without relationship always breed rebellion. It is imperative that you have relationship with whoever it is that God is sending into your life. And a real leader doesn't come through the door, kicking the door down in your heart and saying, listen to me. No, 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 no. Every part of correction from a real leader is invitation only. I never demand that somebody hears me. I invite them to. Your response determines if you're a son of the house. It's that simple. If I demand that you obey... You become a slave. If I invite you to, you respond as a son. Man, this is good teaching tonight, y'all. Amen, somebody? So, watch it. Man, this, there's so much here, man. So, here's, here's what my experience has, has, has taught me. And, and I know so many stories could probably, I could throw the mic in here, a bunch of stories. 
I find that when superstition and passion marry, <laughs> the result is a lack of maturity. Because when superstition, when somebody is passionate about doing something that God has not given the gift for, some things you do not have to pray about, y'all. If I say, uh, say amazing grace, and you go, amazing grace. No, I said amazing, amazing grace. You can't hear it. It doesn't mean you're bad at life. <laughs> it's simple. You're not a singer. You're just not a singer. It's It's cool. That's fine. It doesn't mean you're a lesser of a person. You're prob- in some area, you have everything to teach me. <laughs> you're just not, God ain't give you that gift, but he's given you other gifts that we got to tap into. And don't starve the world of your potential because you're dead set on doing something you're not gifted for. Part of a leader's job is to uh, get us adjusted so we are connected to what heaven's intentions for our life is. That's where you will, favor will run you down. Once you get connected to what you're called to do, you'll find, you, listen, you even stop being jealous of people that's better than you. Because you're connected to what you're called to do. It's easy to get jealous when you're competing in a world you're not actually purpose for. good this good okay so i know it's gonna be a hard word tonight we all want this harvest but harvest you know what harvest is harvest isn't just gathering a thing harvest is recognizing what season to gather a thing harvest before aging is death Woo. Harvest before aging is death. If you eat fruit before it's ripe. If you try to gather and partake of something that has not had the proper time to age. It could be poisonous. It literally could kill you. If you do not make sure that it has been processed long enough. You and I. If we're pushed into something premature and then pulled out and used before we've been processed long enough. In similar fashion, we can be toxic to the very thing we're trying to help. Nothing exposes the motive of a person better than waiting. There is nothing that exposes the things in our heart that must change better than us waiting. What do you become when you're not being used? What happens to the way you feel about yourself when the spotlight's not on you? Sometimes God will sit you down to grow you up. Sometimes your gift is what's paralyzing you. You may be called to it, but it's just not your time. You was gathered before you was aged properly. That's all it is. And a gift will get you in a room. 
A gift will get you in a room, but it won't sustain you. This hitting anybody tonight? This is, this is so critical because there's been very few people in my journey of ministry that have approached me and said, I'm passionate to do that. And I knew right off the rip that wasn't they, that's not where they was assigned to. Very, I can only think of two people out of 20 years that I, that I was able to readjust. And it actually went over the right way. Most people conveniently hear God that they need to go to another ministry when you try to adjust their passions. <laughs> I mean, God is, he's an on-time God, isn't he? As soon as you're offended, I hear God. He's on time. No, no, no. That ain't God at all. That's you. That's you talking to you because you're offended because you didn't get what you wanted. And now you see when we are connected with somebody that's meant to adjust us and deposit into us to help mature us, when they oppose what our passions are, they often feel like the enemy. Because what happens is when we get passionate about something, all of our superstitious side begins to marry that. And then all of a sudden we've convinced ourselves that God, it, listen, I'm only using singing because it's, it's so relatable, but let's say. You can't see, you can't hold a tune in the bucket, right? But you want to be on the praise and you want to lead a song. And you want to lead a song, right? <laughs> but then I say, listen, brother so-and-so or, or sister so-and-so, listen, I, I can't use you there. Why, pastor? That's not your gift. Then they get offended. Then they view me as the enemy because I'm opposing what they have convinced themselves is the will of God for them. Because they felt some presence when they was in the car yodeling. They was in the car going in, you know, give myself away, yeah. And they felt something, so they think everybody needs to feel that, hey, hey, hey. right? <laughs> Listen, God showed up because he wasn't, it wasn't your voice he heard, it was your heart. Quit mistaking the two. <laughs> Come on now. It was not your voice that he said, wow, listen to him worship. God only responds to hearts coming together. David was a man with the right heart. Saul had the right stuff on the outside, but David had the right heart. Come on now. (laughs) That's what makes you a worshiper. And if you're a real worshiper, you don't crave being seen doing it. Our cravings. Those cravings to be seen by men, that's not of God. That's of you. And why? It's not because you're a bad person. It's because you have deficiencies in your life. The way you grew up, you may not have gotten attention from mother or dad or, or the people you needed to, to to give you identity and to give you this security, you know, to feel the way that you're supposed to feel about yourself. And therefore, you've relied on your gift to try to make you feel valuable, not knowing through the revelation of Christ that you're already valuable and your identity is already given to you in him. And so what you do is you lust for this stuff. Why? Because it's not just about you singing. It's about the way singing makes you feel accepted. And it's a counterfeit that is never going to grow you or sustain you. You're going to have to walk around for the rest of your life using your gift only to feel this counterfeit acceptance. And it don't matter how good you are, eventually people, people will still reject you. 
we got to remain adjustable. What is God trying to adjust you on right now that you're dead set you're right on? Not even considering the fact that you're wrong. Not even considering that you may have missed it. I love it when people come to Pastor Sean and I for counsel. That's what they call it, counsel. They're looking for affirmation, not counsel. They come to me and they already got their mind made up. The decision's made, the house is sold, the plane ticket's bought. And they're saying, well, I'm just wanting to come here and get some counsel. No, you don't. You want affirmation. If you wanted counsel, you would have came to me when you was praying about it. (laughs) Because if you really want the counsel, you got a whole lot of stuff in motion right now. You moved without counsel. You don't want counsel. You want affirmation. That happens all the time. Why? Because we want what we want. I'm asking you tonight, what are you wrong about right now? Here's the right way to be wrong. Remain adjustable. There's your answer tonight. Remain adjustable. You know, this passage here says, he blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted. Watch that. And be converted. One translation will say, uh, uh, and be changed. And then it says, and then I'll heal them. So go back here, watch this. It says, so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive. Right there. It would say perceive. Perceive with their hearts. I put this down if you're taking notes. This is something that we need to really grasp here. Hard hearts happen when we fail to look at what is necessary for changing us. Hearts become hard when we fail to look at what's necessary for changing us. When you give a blind eye. Here when scripture's talking about they was blinded. And it wasn't talking about physical blindness. It's talking about spiritual blindness here. Because this is their response to Christ. This is a prophetic messianic word that's talking about what was happening in the life of Christ. Which is why Christ is quoting it to remind them. He's saying here. It's real simple that their eyes are blinded. In other words, it's possible to look at a thing and not see it. I don't know how many times as a leader that I have had to try to get somebody to look at a thing and see it. And where our heart breaks as pastors is when we're trying to get people to, to, to see something the way God wants them to see it. And so many times, and I hate to say this. But there is a high percentage of people that go to church that never, ever graduate to seeing a thing. They are stuck at looking at a thing. And they continually walk down a road that is going to, the result's going to be a waste of time. It's going to be hurt. It's going to be pain. It's going to be bad decisions. It's going to be, I wish I could have done it over again. It's going to have all this stuff attached to it. Why? Because when you was challenged to adjust, you did not adjust because you was led by your passions and not the spirit. I promise you that eternal happiness awaits those who walk after the Spirit. You don't have to get up Monday through Friday feeling like things are down and and, and feeling like you don't know what to do with your life. And I'm up and down and up and down. Vacations, you know what vacations are? Vacations should be a place where you go enjoy life. You don't have to go there to get away from life. You should, in the Spirit, you should be able to enjoy life every day no matter where you're at. Amen, somebody. It should be a change of scenery, not a change of heart. 
But many of us are trying to get away. Why? Because this year we've been looking at stuff so long, we've not been adjustable. And our, where we're living is not, is, is, is not reflective of God's intention for our life. Why? Because we have time after time after time after time chose our passions over our purpose. teaching tonight seeing is the beginning of understanding last year I'm gonna just I got a lot but I, I have to make this a series I want to talk about this thing real quick for a second Genesis four uh, one swing over there just real quick and I promise I'm, I'm done here you know getting us to understand something I believe that's God's biggest obstacle is to get us to actually understand what he's trying to get us to understand. Anybody, can anybody admit tonight that you got a side to you that's a little hard-headed? <laughs> can you imagine trying to lead you? Come on now. Could you imagine trying to lead you? At how many times wisdom has been at your doorstep and you choose to not walk in it? Thank God he's patient. Thought that'd get more of an amen. Thank God he's patient. Watch this here. Look at here. I want you to put down this, this word understanding. Here's, here's what um, the etymology means. And for those who don't understand the word, that's just kind of the origin of the word, where it came from. Watch here. This is what understanding actually literally means. And I love this interpretation. To underseek. Underseek. S-E-E-K. We're going to talk about this for a second. In layman's terms, it means to consider, to change one's mind, or to begin again. Understanding actually in its origin comes from two words, to under and to stand, or to stand under. It's not just about perceiving a thing, it's the posture that allows you to perceive a thing. Y'all catching that? It's not like understanding doesn't come in a sentence, it comes in a position. The sentence doesn't find its value unless you're in position. So I can say something to you. It's like the word of God. This is all just print. Until you're in the person. Because if the print don't lead to the person, all you have is a book. Come on, somebody. And everybody that we read about in the book never had the book. They was living epistles. (laughs) We read about them. They never had a chance to read about us. You hear what I'm saying? The, the, The spirit is the key to all this but. When we perceive a thing, it's coming from our posture. Why is adjusting so important? Because it postures us to hear something that we never would have heard if we wasn't in position to hear it. All your life, through the love of God, you've had the right sentences and speeches to deliver you. You just haven't had the right position. 
It's not talking about your physical position. It's talking about your spiritual position. Are you humble enough for God to make adjustments in your life? Right now, some of you are on a timeline because you feel that you're getting this and that and older and time and all this stuff and this got to happen. No, 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 it don't. None of that has to happen. The only thing that God's trying to do is adjust you right now. When he adjusts you, he'll determine when all that other stuff's supposed to happen. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things. Listen, we get, we seeking ye first things. And then we throw kingdom in there when we want to. But it's seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. This is so imperative that when we are, God is trying to get something to us, you'll never understand a thing you're not standing under. You will never understand a thing that you're not standing under. Submission is the key that God is trying to do in some of our life. When you are failing to submit to the thing that God is at, because listen, you say, well, I have a hard time submitting, and I, I, I don't like submitting to men because I got you know, abused by them or submitting to women because of this, that. Listen, you're not submitting to me. You're submitting to God. I happen to be a mouthpiece he's using for you. It's that simple. I'm not your God. It's not thus saith Gail. So thus says God, and you're going to know when I'm in alignment with what God's saying to you in your heart. Why? Not because it confirms your appetites, because it challenges them. <laughs> you want to stay right where you're at? Keep doing what you're doing. That's easy. You want to grow? Adjust. Some of you say, well, I don't know where to adjust. Soon as you posture your heart, the teacher will appear. The teacher will never appear until the heart's ready to learn. Man, man, man. Man. Soon as you posture your heart, God will say, okay, I got somebody. Pow. Here's what I want you to learn. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want to do. And then the teacher will appear. When your heart's ready to adjust... God will take that and he will begin to make things happen in your world that are going to aid what he's trying to do in your life. Here's what I want you to do in closing. I want you to, number one, consider the fact that you do not know it all. I want you to repent for thinking you was God. That you knew it all. You had all the answers. Repent for being the teacher and everything that you're doing. Stop getting around people that are, that are, you know, that you're the teacher all the time and that, you know, they're always looking to learn for you. You need to get around some people that know some stuff you don't. You need to get around some people that got a higher influence than you. You need to get around some people that have been through what you've been through and come out on the other side. Amen, somebody. And, and you need, to, you need to, to take that posture. And when it gets uncomfortable, you need to lift your hands and thank God it's finally working. They are certainly, if they know more than what you know, they certainly didn't get there by following their passions. They got there by following their purpose. It's all right to be passionate about your purpose, but there's a passion that doesn't serve purpose. Remain adjustable. Remain adjustable. Allow God to be able to have access to, to put you, you know, the Bible says, you know, everybody wants truth, but the Bible doesn't say he tells you truth. It says in John that he leads and guides us into it. 
See, it's that position thing again. Like, some of y'all ain't going to get it. It's like Elijah and Elisha. Like, if you're here when I go, you'll get the mantle. But you got to be here. He's been teaching them for years. But he's like, man, listen, it's only yours if you're here. (laughs) He's ascending. And what's on him is not meant for heaven, so it's going to stay in the earth. If you're here in position, what was on me is going to fall on you. But it's all about your positioning. It's not how well you knew me. It's not how long we spent together. It's not about the conversations and the sentences that you've heard me say. It's about your position. Where is your heart? You say you want to learn, but is your heart resisting it? You say you want God's will, but is your appetite resisting it? Are you adjustable? That's going to determine what God does for you in the next season. This is a good word tonight. I want you to stand to your feet. Amen. You receive that? You know, Genesis 4, simple. Tim, I love it. It says that Adam, look at that. Adam knew Eve. You know the Hebrew word for knew there? You know what it means? He experienced her. It didn't say Adam knew her like, hey, I know you. No, no. Come on now. Adam got to know her, y'all, if you know what I mean. Listen, anytime we experience, you don't know something that you do not participate with. You do not know anything that you think you know if you've not participated with that. That's where this is coming from. I'm telling you right now, we're trying to perceive a thing. You want God to do something special in your life. I'm telling you tonight, remain adjustable. Quit defending your position so much because most of us defend out of fear that somebody won't see us the way that we need to be seen in order to feel validated and as soon as you relinquish that that's the gateway into really stepping into a new dimension of seeing yourself the way God wants you to see oh man I got a lot more. I'm going to have to make. How many would want me to pick this up next week? I want to talk about seeing God the right way. The blind man. Jesus healed him the first time when he seen men as trees. He was healed then. He settled for seeing men the way he wanted to see them. He seen men as trees because that's how he felt men. I'll get into this next week for a little bit. God released to him the perspective that was shaped out of his touching, out of his experience. We'll talk about Psalms, how men are as trees of righteousness. So, Father, we thank you right now.